Reactive abuse isn't necessarily abuse. Let's not even really call it abuse. Let's call it what it is. Self-defense. It's a defense mechanism. Yes. So, uh... Quick analogy, because I'm an analogy fan. Uh, a kid's getting bullied on the bus every single day. He's getting stuff stolen from him. He's getting pushed down. He's getting made fun of. He's getting hit. You name it. When that kid fights back, do we call that kid an abuser? Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of Till the Wheels Fall Off. I'm Matt. I'm Paige. And thank you if you are new here because of our last episode. Our last episode was a message from me. Two people still struggling with addiction, and I was really worried about how that would come off and how it would be received, but we heard from a lot of people that it was incredibly helpful, and that I love hearing from people that it was helpful. I haven't heard from anyone yet that it was damaging, so that's great, <laughs> but it's always a, a, like this fear of me. It's like I, we have a responsibility as creators when we put the stuff out there that something could come back that was not intended, yeah. but it sounds like for all intents and purposes, this landed exactly how it should have, which is great. It's a really tough topic to cover. When you're talking with someone who's in early addiction or in early sobriety or in active addiction, but me having been there before, I, I did my best to try to reach people where they're at and also being firm and challenging them on some of the stuff that we would like for our partners to think is true. That's really not. Mm-hmm. Um, there will be a part two to that. I don't know exactly when, but we are planning that and it deals more with the validation and accountability component. I didn't want to have everyone drinking through a fire hose with one giant episode about that. Yeah. So I think in two parts is probably more helpful. Let's tackle the most immediate stuff first and then we'll get to yeah, we'll some, get of this, deeper. some of this other stuff. Yeah. So thank you if you're new. Thank you if you responded back out with feedback. That's We love hearing from people. And uh, speaking of, if you're not already in our Facebook group, we have a free Facebook community called Tufo Community. If you click on any of our social media profiles... There will be a bunch of links there. It will have the podcast. It will have our Instagram account. It'll have our website. It'll have our community. So we ask you a few simple questions. Join the community. You can post anonymously. You can't reply anonymously, which I think is kind of bogus. It is weird. I don't understand the point of that. Yeah. But anyway, you can post anonymously. It's a great place to process things. Sometimes you just need to vent. It's inc- like I'm, I'm a writer. Writing's a, my cathartic way of just getting feelings out. Mm-hmm. And it's a way that people can just express what they're going through. Maybe not even looking for feedback. Like I just need to put this in the world just because I just have to get this off my chest. And sometimes people will come back and one of the best things you can hear at times is I'm right there with you. I'm here for you. I get it. It's an incredibly powerful thing that we've, we've built that is not us. This is the power of the community in itself. It's just really cool to watch this thing take off and people helping each other. It's just beautiful, man. I love that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely love that. So if you're not already in there, please join that. And while we're here, uh, we don't get a lot of reviews, but leave us a review. We love reading reviews, good or bad. I like this. Just it's awesome. But anyway, today's topic is reactive abuse, mm-hmm. reactive abuse. This is um, Paige. This was an episode that you had wanted to put out quite some time ago. Yes. But we have several others that like we prioritize. And so this is, this has been, yes. this has been your baby. Yeah. I have actually worked with some people, some amazing people who um, have questioned their part of abuse when it comes to a toxic relationship or in a relationship with an addict or alcoholic or even a narcissist. So this can go in all different. Yeah. This hits a lot of different areas. Yes. Yeah. So as a partner of an addict or alcoholic, do you question your part when it comes to abuse? I know I did. (laughs) And so when you say question my part, meaning were you ugly to them? Uh, Were you abusive? 
Right. Was I abusive? That's the question. That's the part that I would question like, oh my gosh, because we hear these things all the time about what abuse is. Yeah. And, you you know, did I do that? Am I an abusive person? Because I would lash out. I would yell. I would call you names. I would throw things across the room. I don't know if I ever threw things things at you but i wanted to i know that (laughs) but i knew that all of this was out of character for me like i didn't like fighting i didn't want to be angry i didn't want to lash out but come to find out my lashing out is something that's called reactive abuse or reactive defense which is a better term for it i think yes so i actually got that information um from a website that i'll bring up in just a minute because it had a a lot of just gems in it that really Some helped me open my eyes to how I reacted in our relationship. And I think a lot of people that listen to us are going to relate to this. And I'm hoping that you come away with less guilt with how you feel, because I felt guilty for a lot of the times. Yes, I have a part in that and I have, you know, owned that part and taken accountability, but there are reasons why I reacted the way I reacted. Absolutely. There are. Yeah. yeah. Reactive abuse isn't necessarily abuse. Let's not even really call it abuse. Let's call it what it is. Self-defense. It's a defense mechanism. Yes. So a quick analogy, because I'm an analogy fan. Uh, A kid's getting bullied on the bus every single day. He's getting stuff stolen from him. He's getting pushed down. He's getting made fun of. He's getting hit. You name it. When that kid fights back, do we call that kid an abuser? No, but there are a lot of schools that say that there are zero tolerance rules and they get in trouble for it. Zero tolerance rules are just an easy way to not have to look at situations. All right. I got opinions about zero I'm tolerance policy. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm just th- <laughs> it's, it's filling in the It's for ease of process. It doesn't mean it's correct. But, yeah. but no, that's true because we, we teach we, people we don't, to stand up for yourself. We don't call that kid the abuser. Right. Everyone will look at that and say he stood up for himself. He finally stood up for himself. Now... The moral question, is it right to fight back? Is it right to hit? Is it right to do anything? Philosophically, we can get into that some other time. But strictly speaking, when someone reacts in defense, we even have laws that protect those people. Mm-hmm. They're laws for self-defense. Yeah. When it comes to relationship, though, these things become muddy, really yeah. muddy, especially when you're, you're sanity, you're questioning your own sanity every day if you're in a relationship with an alcoholic or an addict. Like, am, am I, am I, am I to blame here? Was he right when he said that I'm the reason he does this? If I was less nagging, would it mean that he drinks less? Like you question everything you do, which is part of what causes the lack of self-esteem and the lack of empowerment in these relationships. Mm-hmm. Al-Anon will call something like this codependency, which is a term that we've never loved by any means. Yeah. Uh, still doesn't make sense to me in my mind, but anyway, <laughs> this is a, where a lot of this stuff comes from. And this is just another, another vein in that same topic. Yeah. So walk us through situations or okay what is yeah yeah so according to experts it is rare in an intimate relationship that there are two abusers so sometimes i'll call that mutual abuse and that's when you would think like oh am i abuser and he's the abuser we're just both abusers we're just toxic we're bad for each other not necessarily true that's very rare it's usually there's an abuser and a victim. And this is really confusing for us because I question myself all the time. Just like you said, like, am I wrong? Am I abusive? Am I starting these unhealthy patterns well, of reaction? You're a rational, empathetic person. Am I the crazy you one? You know, so the website is themendproject.com. And reactive abuse is when a victim has been in a toxic relationship for a while and they begin defending themselves against emotionally violent attacks. So this happens like when we push, yell, rage, have angry outbursts. Throw things. You throw things. Mm-hmm. Call people names. Um, this is self-defense. It, uh, happened when, it happens when we hit our breaking point. Yep. So we will hit a point where it's just like we have no choice but to react. Yeah. 
So, and it's typically out of character for us, which makes us feel really confused by our own responses. Um, it's a defense mechanism, but it rarely saves us from the harm. Yeah, that's the thing that's crazy about it. Yeah, it it actually it makes it worse, and yep. we'll get into why here in a moment. But yeah. I think that anyone, like I've seen this uh, in relationships, even when there's not um, alcohol or drugs, when you've just got an abusive person, mm-hmm. and it's generally the woman will say, "We were just we were just toxic together. We were just we were bad for each other." Well, if you really back up and look at what's happening is that you've got someone who's incredibly emotionally abusive, someone who will lash out in uncharacteristic ways, defending themselves and then look way too hard at their part in that. Yes. Wait, it's not to say you shouldn't look at your part in things, right? I'm yeah. still a believer in that, but looking way too hard at it and, and completely disregarding the other person's why you ended up there. Like the context matters here. Yeah. The context absolutely matters. And the context is generally You've been backed into a corner. You've been told you're crazy. You've been emotionally abused, sometimes physically abused. And then at some point you reach a breaking point, like Paige mentioned, and you just snap. Yeah. And you just snap. It's like you just start seeing red. And anything that happens after that point is an involuntary, it's an involuntary self-defense mechanism. Yep. And I think that a lot of the time these genuinely empathetic, caring people will after the fact can feel incredibly guilty and be like, man, I'm abusive. I caused that. And abusers, I can speak from an abusive standpoint. We love it when y'all do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a sick thing, but it's true. Cause now it's not all on me. Now I've got you right where I want you. Right. So because the, okay. So what is abuse? Just in general? Yeah. What's abuse? Uh, I would define it as an attempt to gain control over somebody. Okay. Um, or to gain benefit from something yeah. improperly. Right. Right. Impro- yeah. For so sure. it's addicts typically abuse to gain their drug of choice or just to control the situation, the relation or control the situation or the relationship that they're in. Yeah. It's, it's, it's controlling the situation and that person in particular so that you can, you don't, you don't want them too close to what you're doing because that means that they're going to, tell you that's bad. You need to stop this. Uh, addicts often call this nagging, quote unquote nagging. Mm-hmm. You want this person distant from that part of your life. And so you will use tactics like gaslighting, lying, cheating, um, diversion tactics, uh, turning it around, you know, stuff like this in order to do that. The, the, the more I have you concerned about yourself or something else, mm-hmm. the more I can do what I need to do. Right. So that's the mindset of an abuser. I didn't ever think that way. No. Who, why reactive, would you? Reactive, why would you? Reactive abuse comes from the place of defense. Yes. So it's it's you're fighting back in a dangerous situation. So it's not to treat somebody poorly just to gain benefit. No. That's how you know that you're not the abuser in the relationship. Yes. That's fact. Uh, here's, I mean, that's one part. Here's where someone will hear that, though, and go, well, hang on, though. As you're lashing out at someone, aren't you in some way trying to regain control over that situation, help them see... In an effort to get them to see your perspective, like some people think that deep about this stuff. Well, I mean, you kind of can, but most, some of these things are not even, it's not voluntary. Right. It's out of character for you. Yeah. Truly out of character. You, you don't throw things. You don't snap. I mean, you're, you're loud, but you're not, you're not generally screaming curse words at me. I'm not an abusive person. No, you're not. Not at all. Incredibly caring, compassionate, vulnerable person. But when these things happen that are out of character, you can typically look at that and say, okay, like I'm not trying to control anyone. This isn't a typical behavior from me. This was like a one-off where I just 
flew off the handle. And it happens every time XYZ happens. Yes. So there's a trigger for it. Right. And so you're on high alert and these triggers happen and our brains actually release a stress hormone and it's the fight, freeze, or flight response. And sometimes we respond and it's even like a shock to us more than it is you because it's out of character. And I know that I feel like when I've responded in that way, it doesn't align with my values and I immediately feel regret. I feel guilty. I feel as though I truly effed up and I need to make amends. Yeah. And this is because the reactions can happen without warning. It just happens like pop. There it goes. And like, you don't even know it, what you've just done. Yeah. Like think about, uh, I, if anyone grew up with siblings, <laughs> like having an older sibling that bullies you, my, my older brother did this to me all the freaking time. Uh, when we were like middle school age, yeah. he would run in. Okay. We'd get off the bus at the same time. My parents weren't home. He would run inside. He would beat me off the bus, like, like literally off on feet, beat me into the house, lock the door and then make me bang on the door for 10, 15 minutes or more before he let me in the house. And it was frustrating. It drove me crazy. And I was smaller than him. I was, you know, two years, a year and a half younger. And there was one day where I guess I'd had a bad day at school. I don't know, but I was really hurt by everything. And when he opened that door, I don't know what happened. I snapped. Mm -hmm. And I mean, talk about an ass whipping to end all ass whippings. I mean, I lost my mind on him. And then when he was on the ground screaming, stop, stop, stop. I like came to and I'm like, oh my God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. And then he gets up. I see the look in his eyes and it's like, "Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-oh, (laughs) uh-oh. I took off running and my mom had these old like antique chairs. I stuck a chair in between the two of us. I'm like, no, we can talk this out. Wait, wait, wait. His foot went right through that chair, man. And I'm like, oh, now we got bigger problems. We're both in trouble now. Yeah. I took off to my room, locked the door, like jumped under the covers and he's banging on the door. But that was an instance of reactive abuse. Like, yeah. I just snapped. I couldn't yeah. tell you what happened. I wasn't like an angry kid. I wasn't a fighter. But you do it enough times to somebody and they're going to react. It's a defense I was mechanism. acting in self-defense. Absolutely. But you know what he told my mom? What? Just the opposite. Oh, yeah. I'm a bully. I snapped. I beat him up for no reason. Oh, yeah. He didn't own his part. No. No. <laughs> so this like this goes way back in life. Like it does. It's not unique to your life right now. But there are instances like this throughout your life. Oh my gosh, that's funny. That chair never okay. recovered. It was glued back together, and it was never the same. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so I had just talked about the fight, freeze, or flight response. Uh huh. And I'm gonna kind of share an example, like in our relationship, okay. what I would typically do. My response to defend myself, like I said, was yelling or whatever. But there were also times when I would freeze, and it used to really irritate you because I wouldn't talk. I couldn't talk. It's like I needed to protect myself by freezing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you tend to do that. You would freeze. You would just kind of jam up and right. sit there and just like. Right. Because I, I, I guess because if I were to speak, it would have caused even more problems and all I, you were giving me fuel. If you were to speak, you know what I would do with it. Exactly. I would turn it around and I would use it against you. Yep. And then the fleeing response is when you, you walk away. Yeah. And I do this too. There are times when I'm just like, I, I just walk away. I walk out of the room. I just, which we tell people to do a lot. Yeah, if you feel man. like you are in a relationship or in a situation that is especially be very a volatile or especially oh dangerous gosh, one. Yes. Walk away. It's okay. It's all right. Um, but I wanted to, there was this other you, episode. You would do I the mean, fight. You would, you would fight sometimes too. You'd come at me like a spider monkey. Oh, heck so yeah. Often. Oh yeah. <laughs> I sure did. Like I'll a admit spider that. Monkey. Yeah. But let's think about now that we are in a healthy relationship where we communicate in a healthy way and like, we don't 
have these problems anymore. Nah. I mean, sometimes I will there. When I started therapy, it was like within two years of my therapy, I was still having triggers. So Matt had been sober for already seven, eight years and I would still have anger outbursts. I would still have these triggers and it just happened. It's like I had no control over it and I had to learn to deal with that in therapy. Yeah. Um, so I found an, another example online that I, I thought was really interesting about reactive abuse that might relate to others. So perhaps a woman reacts to your, to years of her husband's abuse by hitting him or she screams at him, calls him names or slaps him. I think I've slapped you before. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. When the police respond to the domestic violence call, her abuser will be calm and sadly tell them she assaulted him. She will admit she hit him, apologize, and try to explain. Inside, she doesn't know how to explain because she probably doesn't understand why she reacted that way. The police may see her as the abuser or one of two abusers. Typical right there. Rather than getting the help she needs, she will take all of the blame for reacting to months or years of physical, psychological, or sexual abuse. Oh, man, that's tough. And uh, as I understand it, first responders are trained to a degree to identify this type of thing, but... Some abusers are good. Like what I mean by good is that they're really good at manipulating and lying and putting on a show. Um, a lot of times law enforcement are just left with it's like, listen, if there's assault and battery, we just got to take people in. Yeah. They just, they don't want the liability of leaving someone there who, you know, was, uh, what do they say? A, a, a wolf in sheep's clothing, right? Like yeah. this guy seems fine, but if he's actually not and we leave him here, they could be dangerous for everyone. Yeah. So they just take everyone in. But a lot of times this stuff gets pushed under the rug because we have this black and white view that abuse is abuse. Now I've even said that abuse is abuse, but within the context of abuse from an addicted person, even though they have a disease is still abuse. I firmly believe that, yep. but I don't believe that self-defense is abuse. Right. Is self-defense battery sometimes? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But is it abuse? No. no. Abuse is like we said, it's to gain an upper hand, to gain a form of control over somebody else. That's what abusers are ultimately trying to do. Mm-hmm. You are not trying to do that when you defend yourself, when you snap, when you've been called the B word for the 15th time that day or called fat or ugly or any of these incredibly hurtful things in front of other people. Eventually everyone has a breaking point. Psychologically, we all have a breaking point. Yep. And when we lash back out, it breaks my heart that people feel guilty for that. Yeah. But that's human nature. I think that it's the nature of an empathetic, introspective person is they're always going to look within and be like, man, where was, what did I screw up here? What was my part in this? And then you feel indebted to your abuser. Suddenly you start to look back outward and be like, well, I caught, I must've caused these things in them. They're not all that bad because I'm just as bad. No, you're not. You're not. It's okay. Right. So why does reactive abuse not actually help us? What do you mean? So, how, whenever we react, oh, how does right. it not help us? Like okay. we feel, because it is a defense mechanism. We're yes. trying to protect ourselves. You know, we're trying to do things to, to survive. Yeah. But in reality, it makes the abuse worse. It does. Because uh, the abuser, they typically want their, fa- their their partner to feel the fire. They want to fight. They want you to become a hot mess so that they can blame you for being unstable, uncontrollable, and abusive. They'll go the links of, you know, grabbing proof Oh God! Via yeah. emails, texts, voicemails, videos, just to show how abusive you are. Yeah, reactive abuse generally is—I would shouldn't say even generally, but a, a lot of the time it is what the abusive person wants. And I can speak for this firsthand. Let's go back down memory lane and let's let's sort of um, 
<laughs> let's let, let's hop into my my abusive brain, my you know brain prior to years and years of therapy, your and, active and addiction, hard thing? work, yeah, an active addiction. Okay, uh, when when you would freak out. I would sit there calmly and act so shocked, like, oh my God, I can't believe you're acting this way. But on the inside, I'm like grinning like the Cheshire cat. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I got you right where I want you. Mm -hmm. Because now I know you. You were going to look at this and be like, I cannot believe I treated you that way. I can't believe I said those things to you. And I would I'd eat that crap up. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, that was, you know, I can't believe you would do that to me. Treat me that way. I would leave you feeling indebted to me so that I, you would leave me alone long enough so I could keep running my game. Yeah. So I could keep going and buying drugs. So I could keep neglecting the responsibilities around the home. So I could keep neglecting your emotional needs. All those things. Like it's what the abuser typically wants is whenever you do this, they're going to use it against you. Yeah. And I've got experience with this, not from you, from other people that I've known who carry these traits. A quick break in the action to let you know about an exciting development in the TUFO universe. When we started this thing, we said we would never work with an advertiser or company unless it's something that we believed in and we already use. If you're looking for professional, affordable mental health care, look no further than Taylor Counseling Group, your trusted source for accessible therapy in Texas. Taylor Counseling Group believes that everyone deserves premium mental health care, regardless of their income level. That's why they offer reliable and affordable services at 12 locations across Texas. They've made affordability a priority. They are in network with most major insurance, and the standard private rate is only $100 per session, significantly lower than many other practices offering the same high-quality therapy. They believe that getting the help you need shouldn't drain your wallet. Scheduling an appointment is quick and easy with their convenient online booking tool. No complicated processes or long wait times. They value your time and ensure that you can access the care you deserve without any hassle. At Taylor Counseling Group, they believe in a personalized approach to therapy. The professionally trained counselors offer a diverse range of services, including individual counseling, couples counseling, family therapy, play therapy for children, and even specialized techniques like cognitive processing and existential psychotherapy. They're here to help you navigate life's challenges and develop a personalized treatment plan tailored to your unique goals. Taylor Counseling Group is your partner on the path to mental wellness. Experience professional, affordable care that puts you first. Visit their website, taylorcounselinggroup.com, or call them today to schedule an appointment and tell them Tufo Couple sent you. A link and phone number is going to be available in the show notes. And back to the action. And, and when we're talking about this stuff, um, addictive abuse, this might sound very familiar to narcissistic abuse. And it's not by coincidence. These mm -hmm. things feel the same to the abuse, to the victim. victim. Uh -huh. the, the abusers have a lot of the same mechanisms, right? The gaslighting, the uh, flipping things around, the the manipulation tactics, all that stuff feels very, very similar. So when we're talking about these things sort of like interchangeably, I've dealt with someone who was just incredibly emotionally abusive. I would stay incredibly calm all the time. And like, listen, I'm, I, I know this game, dude. I'm not going to give you what you want. Mm -hmm. But then they would say something incredibly hurtful or like cut really deep or go somewhere they shouldn't. And I'd snap back with an ugly email or a text message or something like that. Mm -hmm. And that person has told me to this day, they have every email and every text message that I've ever sent them where I was ugly mm -hmm. in defense. Yeah. But that's not how it would be used against me. Right. It would be used in a way that shows like, listen, this person's unstable. They are crazy. They threaten me. They do all with no context whatsoever. They just picked out these little pieces yeah. 
of everything, never mentioning what they've done. And that's what abusive people will do with this. Yeah. So the benefit of, there is no benefit whatsoever to doing it. God, there's so much energy that goes into that. I just can't imagine. I'm oh sorry. man. If you've got a person like, that saves text messages and emails, run. <laughs> like that is a sure sign. This person is wheels But off. I will say though, that I do tell people to write down instances that happen for you to look at, you know, the patterns within your that's relationship. That's helpful for the victim. It's helpful for the victim, but it's not helpful to show for the other person and be like, look, this is what you you're not giving this, this to you're like, not giving them no, to, to not, punish them. No. It is literally for yourself. I just had to throw that in there. No, because, because it is when you, when you've been abused for a very long time, um, we can, we can normalize dysfunction incredibly easy. It's oh, almost scary yeah. how well we can normalize dysfunctional situations. So true. So we've encouraged people at times whenever we identify dysfunction, it's something that we've been through as well. It's like, Ooh, I've, I've been there before. You should try writing this stuff down so you don't forget it because it's really easy to normalize it and forget about mm-hmm. the, you know, like all the times they were coming home with the scent of perfume on them. I don't know. Just as an example. Yeah. Like let's, let's put the pieces together here and let's look at what's really good. Let's construct an actual view of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Abusive people are looking to take this out of context to use against you. Right. They're not trying to identify patterns. Right. They're literally trying to be manipulative with it. They're oh, sick. They're sick people. It just blows my mind. Oh, it's frustrating, man. So I... Another part of where you kind of get stuck into this dynamic is that your partner, like the abuser, will tell you that you need help. Oh, yeah. And then that'll increase our own, our sense of self-doubt. And it makes us question our own sanity. And then when that happens, we become even more dependent on you because we are like, oh, my gosh, maybe we are wrong. Maybe this, maybe our partner is right. We've and convinced we, you. You've that, convinced us that we're the crazy one, and and that we are the your only way to salvation. And I'm sure. So I would easily be like, okay, you know, maybe I do need help. I need to go. But if the, it were, if it was turned, and I would say, you need help. I guarantee you, you'd have been like, no, I don't need help. I'm doing fine. You I'm need help. You need help. Exactly. So it's like, oh my gosh. Oh, another red flag. <laughs> if you've ever told someone that they that they're abusive and they call you the narcissist or they call you the abuser, that's a red flag. That's a red flag that they are exactly what you just said. Yes. No one gets more offensive than a narcissist who is denying something they definitely did. Yep. They get so defensive so quickly. Yeah. That's what I was going to talk. Like this next bullet point was going to be accountability. Yeah. You, you know what's screwed up about what, what you just talked about? Whenever I would tell you like, you need help. Like you lash out. Like your emotions have gotten too big. Like this is getting dangerous. I would say things like that to, to make you leave me alone. And what I didn't realize, like, like to be honest, I didn't know how bad this would get for you. And like mm-hmm. it. I don't want to get emotional about it. It's hard for me to even think about, but I didn't know how bad this would get. I didn't know how deep the effects would go. Like in that moment, I just needed you to leave me alone. Yeah. I didn't realize how bad this would get. Like doesn't excuse the fact that I did it and it shouldn't relinquish me from responsibility of it. I live with that every single day, but the really screwed up part about putting someone in that position where you've convinced them that within your relationship, that they are crazy. They start to question themselves all they, the self doubt creeps in their confidence disappears. And now they are somewhat stuck with you because now they're emotionally dependent on you for validation. If this person says that I'm crazy and I believe them, they're the only ones who can tell me that I'm not crazy. So they've got you where they want you. Now you're in this cycle where you are seeking validation from a person that wants you to stay sick. Like they feed you just enough to keep you around and it will keep you sick for years and years and years. It's like, Yes, you are damaged and I am your only way to salvation only through me and, and through making me happy and pleasing me. Are you able to feel good about yourself? 
how sick that is. Yeah. But that's what happens here. Right. It's crazy. I'm just, I'm so grateful that you you found a way out and yeah. I found a way out and we're yeah. here today and we're extremely lucky, but holy hell. Well, man. I'm glad that you put that out there because you're saying that, you know, cause all you cared about was getting your fix, right? That was, that was it. your thing. Like that's all. And so you didn't realize the damage that you were doing. And that's why we're doing what we're doing. That's why we're here. That's why TUFO is here Yes, is to bring awareness out there that you getting your fix and you just getting your drug and you lying to your partner is doing a lot more damage than you ever thought. It's not just that. Yeah. And that's, and I'm not trying to shame anybody. This is reality. This is what actually happens. This is the stuff that you don't realize when you're in it. And this is why, like when I work with people in recovery, like fresh out of treatment, they're not really understanding how badly they've damaged anybody. Yeah. They're like, and I've even talked to people and I think I said this early on. It's like, I mean, I didn't really hurt anybody other than myself. Mm-hmm. Like, how selfish is that? Right. I, I only hurt myself. I, I was the one getting high. My liver is the one that took the hit. Like, you know, yeah, certainly I was maybe rude to my wife sometimes, but you don't realize how subversive some of this behavior is and how badly you can F up someone's self-esteem and their self-worth and their confidence and all that stuff that goes with it because they trust you. They believe you. They want to believe in you. Like you've taken advantage of that. You have destroyed something so important to them. You've broken their trust in their self. And I didn't realize I was doing that. I I really didn't. And I pretty damn sure that no one does. You don't realize it. You're just, you're so you have tunnel vision over your next fix and, and what you want. And you'll say or do basically anything to get there without understanding, like really thinking through, okay, if I say this, what are the ramifications of it? So a lot of people, when they're freshly sober, like as we're sitting down working through stuff, I'm like, so tell me, tell me about, tell me about your life. Like what's going on? What's good? What's bad? They never talk about stuff like this ever, ever. I'm the one who usually brings it to their attention, but not right then. Mm -hmm. We have to get some stuff out of the way first. And then once we get to that point where it's like, okay, so let's look at your family. Let's look at your relationships. And we start to work through this stuff. And it's only then that you see like their mind just blow like, like, oh my God. I never realized this. Mm-hmm. It's not It's not an excuse. It's not a cop-out. I encourage everyone who's in recovery to own this stuff 100%. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter if you didn't realize you were doing it. You did it. Exactly. And now you've got a partner with PTSD and self-worth issues and a problem with confidence and empowerment because of this. And you have to own that. And you have to do what you have to do to make that right within them as well. Part of it's just validating and holding yourself accountable. That is... You know, that's the biggest uphill battle, Mm -hmm. but yeah, like we don't realize we're doing it. Um, but I, I, but I was abusive in the sense that I was absolutely trying to gain control so that I could get you to act how I needed you to act, which was basically just leaving me alone. Like get off my, like you were a detective who was kind of getting on the trail. Like you were getting hot on the case Yep. and I needed to, I need you to go like, you know, over there, investigate that guy. Leave me alone. I'm busy over here. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. What's up next? Okay. I was just, uh, th- kind of the last part. Well, well PTSD is in here. It's mentioned. Yeah. Like the actual effects of this thing. Yeah. The- I mean, it happens whenever we don't know that we're being abused most of the time, like you just said. And it's the longer the abuse happens because our stress hormone is going to be released over and over and over that again. That thing fires up. It's yeah, going to keep getting time. fired up. So we're going to react more and more you know, out that's out of character. Yeah. And you and have then, physical stuff that happens. Yes. As well. Yes. Like it can affect your immune system. 
Like yeah. you can Stress become is terrible sick. for your body. Yes. I was reading about this the other day, like the, the effects of stress on your long-term health and just lifespan in general, stress is terrible. It is yeah. worse than like sugar and smoking mm-hmm. and maybe even drinking. Like this stuff is terrible for you. Right. Being in these relationships literally has effects on you. Yeah. So how do you know for sure if you aren't the abuser? If you're asking that question and wondering it at all, that is a great sign that you are not the if abuser. If you're listening to this, chances are you're not. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Matt said, when you call a narcissist a narcissist and they blow up and deny, deny, And call deny, you a narcissist? Then, and if you're, you know, questioning your reactions, chances are you're reacting to defend yourself. You know, most of the time, the problems within this relationship are caused by the addict or alcoholic, not necessarily you. And we can say this from the other side because since you've been sober and since I have worked on my healing process, we don't have these problems anymore. We don't there. Like I said, I do react occasionally. I'm still six years in to this and I still do have some moments of like outbursts, I guess you could say. Um, but I acknowledge them immediately and I correct them and we discuss it and we move forward from it. And we're both very supportive on it. I never hold it over your head. No, you don't. And I'm extremely grateful for that, but it it does linger. It lingers because I was in survival mode for so long. Yeah, man. And that's something anytime someone approaches us or sends us a DM, I want people to know that this is a process. Mm -hmm. And when we say process, think years. Yep. Not one conversation or a month or 90 days. Like you can start, don't get me wrong. You can make progress in a conversation. You can make progress in 90 days, but to really look back over the course of time, this stuff takes years. Mm -hmm. You're unlearning behaviors that took years to learn. They can't be unlearned that quickly. Yeah. And this goes for basically every single topic that we cover. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a process like be gentle with yourself. Like even if you realize today you in this episode, you go, Oh my God, I'm in one of these relationships. I have done that before. Like I have reacted in defense and been called an abuser. Like I'm with a narcissist. I'm with an addict with narcissistic tendencies. Like, Oh my God, like that realization in itself is going to take quite some time to sit in before you go, okay, so what do I do about it? Mm -hmm. And then it takes even longer to actually do something about it. Yeah. And I know it's tough when you're in it. And like, I think that it's only natural that we want solutions quickly. This is the one area of life that doesn't have many quick solutions. Mm-hmm. Like I can come up with a quick solution for an addict for yeah. sure. Yeah. Lock this dude up and make sure he don't get drunk. Right. <laughs> like we start to get to work and do better. Yeah. But the emotional stuff, it just takes time. It does. It takes freaking time. It does. It's like habits. You know, you're recreating habits. You're having to yeah. shift your brain. Like when I work people through, uh, like, like I got sober working a 12 step program. There are other ways to do this, but when I got sober, um, it took me like nine months to work all 12 steps. Um, a lot of people it will take anywhere from six, six months, months to, to a year. year to do it. And in that course of that first year is like, the most emotionally trying time you'll ever have in your life. Yeah. It's not like you, you, you learn that you're an addict and you stop drinking. And then day two, you're just better. Yeah. You unlearn the behaviors. The reason this stuff happens, it's no different from the other side of it. So like respect your recovery and be gentle with your recovery mm-hmm. and acknowledge that 
Recovery takes time. It's a process. And be gentle with yourself along the way. And like, keep I just, going, though. Yes, don't Even quit. Even during the hardest times. It's so times, worth it. Keep going. Don't just go back. And you will have, you will go back to your old habits. It's a process. It's part of it. But always acknowledge them. And that's what's going to help you move forward through them and educate yourself. You know, just keep going. Yeah, it breaks my heart when people beat themselves up that they haven't gotten it right and that they're not better. And like, they oh haven't. yeah, that it's was like, me. Like I learned about detaching with love on Friday and on Monday, like I'm mad at myself because I haven't done it yet. Mm-hmm. Man, that takes time. Yeah. Be gentle with yourself. It's a process. Yes. You have to educate yourself on this stuff. First, you have to know that it even exists. Yeah. You stumble across us. Okay. That exists. Wow. That's a thing. And then yeah. you educate yourself and it takes time for you to really see how it, how it looks in your life. And then you start to make little changes. You take, one step forward to back. That's the way it goes. Yeah. It just do not give up. Like till the wheels fall off, stay on the course. You're going to be okay. Yeah. There's recovery for everybody. Even if they don't get recovery, you can. Yep. So how do we cope with reactive abuse? Oh goodness. Um, I would suggest finding a therapist that specializes in narcissistic abuse or trauma. Um, if, you're unable to find a therapist that specializes in that, which there's a lot out there. I'm sure we can find psychology. I think it's psychology today. I want to say psychology today. Mm -hmm. Um, They have this awesome filter for finding a therapist where you can search by their specialty in their, and in your area, what insurance they accept, all kinds of awesome stuff. Yeah. And you can find specialists if you will. Yes. Because there are going to be some therapists out there that are not, um, they don't specialize in this type of man. I, thingy. I love therapists, but I do too. But we've seen. I have seen some, some therapists give things. people because they weren't they weren't educated in exactly. this particular realm of right. recovery. Right. Uh, they have given people some advice you would give to normal people that right. weren't dealing with a drug addict or a narcissist or an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. That is so far off base. Yeah. Yeah. So So just make sure you find somebody who specializes in something like this. Um, Write down the experiences you have in a journal. If you know, you feel like there's something that you're reacting to, or you feel like it feels weird, write it down, put it on paper. Um, That can help you process some things easier. And also, you know, circle back to see where this behavior is coming from. Um, Recognize your reaction. Matt, you were telling me this earlier, you know, take a breath, tell yourself that it's valid Say, I'm not abusive, and I choose not to participate or fuel the fire. Like we said earlier, these reactions are typically involuntary. Mm-hmm. There are times that you just do it. Give yourself grace if you do do it. But now that you have it in the back of your mind that it is reactive, it's easier to take a step back and be intentional on how you're going to react now, which could be not participating. It could be walking away, not necessarily freezing like I would do because that did not get me anywhere either, but you can, you know, just get away from the situation and that'll help you. Yeah. There's plenty of tactics you can use, but I think acknowledging what's going on in the moment, almost like an out of body experience. Like, okay, I can see what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. They're trying to get a reaction out of me. Even if I do give them one, I have to know that I don't need to sit here and beat myself up and feel like I'm the cause of this or that I'm as bad as they are because you're not. Mm-hmm. This isn't typical day-to-day behavior for you. It's okay. Now, do you make amends for this stuff? Do you apologize? Like I've always been on the side that even even when I, like, I've dealt with some really abusive people, even when I've been in these types of situations, I will always make right, even if it's the coldest text message ever. Like, I'm sorry for when I said X, Y, Z yesterday. 
Mm-hmm. I'll just leave it at that just because I feel better at night knowing that I've owned my part. Yeah. Um, and just left it at that. But knowing damn full well that this person is toxic and they're, let's just call them what they are. They're crazy. Right. And they're yeah. after you. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and if it's, can you know, if they're still abusing, obviously there are different, um, there are different things that you can do too. You know, just empower yourself, educate. We're here to validate you and help you push forward. Yeah, nothing easy about this topic, but we hope that it was helpful for people that have felt guilty whenever they have reacted or they look at their part and say, well, I'm just as bad or I'm just as abusive. Chances are that in a healthy relationship, you wouldn't be acting this way. If you look at your past, this really isn't who you are. Yeah. Um, Don't think too incredibly hard about your behaviors when you were backed into a corner and bullied and you reacted. That's self-defense. That's, I think, all we would want listeners to know about this. But it's a, it's a tricky topic, man. Yeah. But hopefully it provided some sort of clarity. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, I think that's all we've got, right? Yeah. I swear there was something else. No, I know. I'm thinking, I feel like I'm missing something on this. I wanted to say that I know that the, it, the react reacting is justified, right? But I don't want it to be an excuse to react. Yeah. Yeah. Don't throw a cinder block at your spouse and be like, well, Paige said it was cool. Right, right, right. Don't do <laughs> like, that. Like, oh, no, this is why I'm reacting to Don't you. Don't do that. That's just going to fuel the fire. The whole point and of all of this, honestly, is for you to protect your peace. And if that means not reacting, that's more for you than it is the other person. And it's going to take practice and it's going to take time and it's going to feel really weird and uncomfortable at first, but it's important in these types of relationships to protect your peace and not fuel the fire. And I would also like to say that if this is going on in your relationship, it is unlikely that this other person is going to, you are going to be able to entice them to change. Mm -hmm. It's unlikely that something like, cause I I can see us already just getting a message that says like, okay, this is happening. How do I get them to stop? That's the wrong question. Yep. What do I need to do about it? So I'm not in this situation anymore. Right there is the better question. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the times people in these relationships are trying to make something out of nothing. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're, they're trying to make beauty out of just ugliness and torment and chaos and if it were if it were only up to you, you would have fixed it by now, but it's not. And I think that just like when it comes to this reactive abuse and we're looking, okay, so what's my responsibility here? My responsibility here and within the relationship, like I need to start start looking at just my responsibility and stop thinking about what I can do to change that other person so this doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. Just acknowledge the fact that it is happening, that that's not okay, and that you have very few options now. One of them is leaving the situation. Mm -hmm. And it's usually the most common, right? The most unlikely is that they actually acknowledge what they're doing, decide to get treatment, get into the recovery, validate you, take accountability and you live happily, happily ever after. Mm -hmm. Now, while it is possible, it is unlikely because it's not up to you. It's up to them. And it has to be this perfect storm for them of desperation, willingness, and opportunity that they can get sober. They want to get sober and that they have the means to do it. Yeah. They can take off a month from work or go to treatment or whatever it might be. You know, it's just incredibly rare. But I, often I see people who, they understand this is happening. They acknowledge that this is what's going on, but they still want to know how they can fix it. Mm-hmm. It's not up to you to fix. Yeah. Well, it's also, we've had people even recently say that they stopped reacting 
And that even pissed the abuser off. Or damn right it will. Because it's going to piss them off. So I'm going to tell you this now. You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. But if you're going to not react to it, that's going to be more peaceful for you. Because yes. you're not having to make it worse. Now, they can say and do whatever they want, but by you not reacting is going to... That's It's about you. It's not them. It's not about them. It's all about you. And it takes practice and it takes time and it feels really weird, but it's all about you and how you feel and how you can protect yourself. Yeah. I'd and say, it is going to piss people off. I'd say 90% of the things that we talk about on this, on in this podcast are designed to help you protect your own peace. Mm-hmm. There are very few things that you can do to fix someone else. Yeah. They're just, it's just the fact of addiction. It's just how it works. Or even narcissistic abuse. Like these people are unlikely to change because of something that you've done. Yeah. We've, you've already tried everything. Right. And the more you learn, we're, we're, we're teaching people these things so they can learn more about themselves so they can become empowered to make decisions that are best for them. Yep. Which generally involves understanding that one day, like I'm, I can't do this anymore with you. Mm-hmm. I love you. doesn't mean I don't love you, but I cannot tolerate this behavior anymore. Yeah. And sometimes standing up for yourself is not, you know, reacting. It's taking a step back. Yeah. And a lot of people don't understand that. I know I used to not understand that. Oftentimes self-growth, which is what we're doing here. Self-growth, personal development, personal development oftentimes means outgrowing a person. Mm-hmm. It means you outgrow somebody else that happens in life. Yeah. At some point you become more knowledgeable about certain things. You, you've discovered truths and they're not up for it. You can't change them. But you can change you what you do today. Yes. We hope that you've taken something from this that allows you to do that. Yeah. All right. I know we went on, but I like that. Okay. I, I had a lot. Of, I had a lot of stuff to say in this episode. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I hope when I edit, there's more page clips than Matt clips. Oh gosh. <laughs> that's my goal here. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Right. That's all we've got. Until next time, I am Matt. And I'm Paige. And we'll see you. Bye.